whole, you know, the whole basis on wanting to do this was it is so intimidating. I mean, when you see somebody out on, when you see somebody out on the creek that's, you know, fly fishing, in our area, a lot of the times, you know, it's somebody that's dressed to the nines and their gear is three of my paycheck, you know? And so you immediately think that, wow, I, I can't do that. But, but the truth of the matter is you really can. It's just a matter of being introduced to it. You don't have to have the top line gear. You don't have to have, you know, top line waders. A lot of the time in our area, you don't even have to wear waders, you know? So, so the intimidation factor can be eliminated by uh, just a little bit of introduction from somebody else that, you know, has done it before. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Today we've got on the program a gentleman out of Northeast Pennsylvania by the name of Jacob Smith. Now Jacob has started a program in Pennsylvania on teaching kids and teens how to get into fly fishing. Uh, Jacob, thanks so much for coming on the program tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about the program that you're developing in in Pennsylvania. I I just always like to start the show off, take us back to your roots in fly fishing. Um, Think back, how how did things get going for you from the beginning? Well, I guess to start, um, the first thing that got me introduced to fly fishing is I I had a childhood friend that his dad owned a fly rod or a couple fly rods for that matter. And, uh, I used to, every once in a while, he'd take them out when I'd go out with conventional gear and just, just seeing him cast on a pond was, was really what got me started was, you know, started the fascination with it. Um, but then you know, circumstances, uh, at that point, I, I couldn't afford to buy a fly rod and couldn't, couldn't find one basically. So I, uh, put that idea off for a while. And then later on down the road, a good few years down the road, I, uh, ran into a, a gentleman at the coffee shop I was working at at the time, actually, who was an avid fly fisherman in his time. Um, and he, after talking a while about, you know, how much I liked fishing, he handed me a book about the basics of fly casting. And that's what my, my main introduction was that as soon as I started reading it, I knew I had to learn. So I went to a pawn shop slash thrift store in the town of Northeast and found a very very cheap i think i got the whole outfit for under 15 dollars fly rod and reel and decided i was going to teach myself that's that's a pretty daunting task when you think back like i i I totally get why you're doing what you're doing because when you think to your roots and kind of to to how it all started there's, there's so much to learn right where do you start yeah, it was it was interesting and like i said this gentleman uh i can't explain how much of an influence he was he he just kind of 
eased me through it without ever, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have the capability of getting on the water anymore. When I had downtime at this coffee shop I was working at, I would sit with him and he would tell me, you know, like, learn how to do this, learn how to, you know, tighten your loops, learn how to, and, and so all I had to do at that point was the, the little tidbits that he could give me, I'd, you know, put them in Google, watch the next video or read about it and then watch another, you know, two or three videos on it, go out, practice that day and then come back, watch more videos, practice the next thing. And, and really that went on for a good, I, I want to say a good six months of just intro to fly casting, intro to, you know, the basics of the whole, the fundamentals of fly fishing. And that's, and you said it yourself, it was very daunting. It was, it was tough and it was frustrating and it, I didn't catch any fish for the longest time. Did you spend any time on a football field or a baseball diamond throwing line? <laughs> Close to it. Um, very near my apartment where I live is uh, just kind of an open field. I spent some time there. I spent some time definitely just trying to cast and, you know, getting used to the idea. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind mentioning that gentleman's name, because that's kind of where I was going to go next, is who, who's been the biggest influence in your fly fishing? <laughs> so that that's tough. Um, this this gentleman, his name is John. His, I'll say his first name, because John doesn't even know how big of an influence he had. Um, he, he's actually a writer. He's an artist and a writer and uh, just a phenomenal character. And like I said, I bet he has no idea the impact had on me. And talking about, I, I can still remember the reason why I bought my perfect reel. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, yeah. so he, he, he told me that that was the first reel he ever had. And I immediately, you know, when I was able to come up with the funding for that, I bought my own Hardy Perfect. Nice. You still have it? I do, I do. I've I've actually only taken it out twice. <laughs> I keep it on I keep it on a little uh little peg above my tying bench here. Right. Why don't you tell us, Jacob, about about the program that you're just getting going, kind of a grassroots program to teach teach people how how to fly fish. Uh, tell us tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um so, you know, it's it's in the very beginning stages of of the workings, but um Basically, I had an idea because a friend of mine runs a, he, he runs kind of an outreach program for what I would call at-risk teens in this town of Northeast, which is very small. And it's, I can't explain to you how tight-knit it is. You know, you know everybody, everybody knows your last name, knows who your parents are. So my buddy started a program or works with a couple other friends of mine to provide food and, you know, shelter and a place for these kids to go who maybe don't have a lot of that opportunity on their own. And I had helped him a couple times with it. And it just blew me away that, you know, what he can do for these kids, you know, that he can, he can put a smile on their face when, you know, their lives aren't really that, I don't want to say great because that's not true, but when they have a tougher life than I grew up with. And the first thing I thought of is, you know, how can I do something like this? And so a few months went down the road and I thought, you know, I know what I can do, you know, fairly well. And I think that I could probably promote my passion for this sport and hopefully reflect that to a child who hasn't been exposed to it. And so 
immediately I started drafting this idea with a, a, a coworker of mine and he said, you know, Hey, you can actually do this. So I made it kind of public by telling a few people, a few business owners in the town and the response I got from it was great. Everybody was excited. Everybody wanted, you know, to make sure that they could facilitate this. So I guess the basis of what I'm trying to do is I want to be able to, I want to be able to teach whether it be kids or adults, you know, I'm not limiting it to just children, but I want to be able to offer a program that a kid who would like to be outside would like to do some fishing could come out, use my own gear you know, spend some time on the water, whether it be, you know, steelhead fishing or when trout season opens or bass or, you know, because like my buddy Tom mentioned, there's opportunities galore around here. Mm -hmm. So the idea is just to get kids on the water, get them, give them a chance to try fly fishing and, and learn from somebody who, you know, knows how to do it rather than try to learn on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's very motivating to hear that, and I can only imagine when you help somebody like that in on the water, you get probably as much out of it as they do, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do, and I didn't find that out until teaching um, a couple people. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I taught a, a, a friend's son how to fly fish not too long ago, which was you know probably a year ago, but... Uh, that's when I really realized that putting my own rod down and watching somebody else catch a fish is really just as exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And that was probably, yeah, that was probably the, the deciding factor on, you know, I can do this, I need to do this, and I want to do this. So if someone's listening to this in the Northeast area or uh, anywhere in Pennsylvania, for that matter, how, how would you encourage them to get involved or how can they uh, kind of look more into the program? Well, right as of right now, like I said, beginning stages. So um, it's all going to be going through my personal um, accounts. So you can find me on Facebook, but my name is Jacob Smith. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of other Jacob Smith. And so it's probably tough to direct you to it. But generally, if you put in the, you know, the area, Erie PA or you know, Northeast PA, when you search for me, it'll pop up and I'll be the guy that has, you know, a big picture right now. It's holding the steelhead on my profile pictures. But other than that on, on Instagram, you can contact me and my name is Jacob Allen Smith. So J A C O B A L A N S M I T H all one word. And that's, you know, I'm the only one on that account name. So I'm assuming like a lot of fly fishers, you probably have acquired I talked to a gentleman the other day. He called it uh, gas, gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> Just a way for you to kind of share some of your fly rods or maybe some extra weight. Or is that, so how does that look for you? You've just got a few, a few things kicking around. I'm sure that you're, you're happy to lend out or. Yeah. So even before this idea, I have, I have that problem. I'm kind of a gear junkie. I don't, you know, I don't acquire the nicest gears, so to say. I, I just have a problem with collecting so if I see it at a shop or if I see it at, we, we actually have this great pawn shop in Northeast that just seems to accrue this ridiculous amount of fly fishing gear. And so every time he gets a, he gets a reel in, he'll email me and he'll say, Hey, you got this in and I'll go down and pick that up. So I, you know, I have tons of them at this point. And that, that also helped with, you know, the idea. Um, once I realized I was like, you know what, I actually have enough as it is to 
teach somebody. They can use my gear. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then after that, after this idea came into play, um, I did go out and buy three rod setups, intro rod setups so that I could give them to the, you know, the prospective children when they finish this program, once we structure it correctly. Right. I may be, this may be a little out in left field, but if there's a gear manufacturer listening, uh, that maybe has some, some demo rods or something that maybe you could make use of, would you be up for that? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, okay. I guess I just didn't want to project too far. You know, I didn't want it to, I wanted to make it really clear to people that I'm, I'm passionate enough about this, that I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to get anything more mm-hmm. than just getting kids on the water, you know, somewhat in its infancy. So as, as the program goes, then you can probably start looking at that, right? You got to grow it organically. I would imagine from the, from the roots up. Yeah, precisely. And that, you know, these are things that I've thought about, but I wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. just start from, from the ground. Well, kudos to you. I think it's a great idea. I, I, I mean, I wish that I, I mean, you and I were talking a little bit off air. If it, if it wasn't for the for the older uh, fellows in local fly fishing clubs, uh, that that's kind of where I where I learned the guys that I people that I learned from. And it's hard for people, especially uh, young adults or uh, teens, if they want to get into a sport like fly fishing. Where do you start? I think I think it's a perfect um, jumping point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was my whole you know the whole basis on wanting to do this was it is so intimidating. I mean, when you see somebody out on, when you see somebody out on the creek, that's, you know, fly fishing in our area, a lot of the times, you know, it's somebody that's dressed to the nines and their gear is three of my paycheck, you know? (laughs) And so you immediately think that, wow, I I can't do that. But, but the truth of the matter is you really can. It's just a matter of being introduced to it. You don't have to have the top line gear. You don't have to have, you know, top line waders. A lot of the time in our area, you don't even have to wear waders. Right. You know, so so the intimidation factor can be eliminated by uh, just a little bit of introduction from somebody else that you know has done it before. Well, is there anything better? I, this always takes me back to being a kid and doing some fly fishing back. When you think back on a warm summer day, you got nothing but basically um, running shoes and shorts wading through the streams and, and and throwing a fly. That doesn't get any better than that in my mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I am a firm believer, and I'll stick to this forever, in not having to wear waders unless it's below freezing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to be barefoot. A lot, of, uh, a, a lot of the creeks that I live next to and the reservoir that I fish in the most, you can go barefoot in it, you, you know, just a pair of shorts, T-shirt, and a fly rod. That's all you need. Right. And I love that. I love it. Yeah, there's something there's something nice about the simplicity of that in there. Absolutely. Maybe you could walk us through. I know you just went out. Was it today you're out in the water? Yep, yep. Why don't you walk us through a typical day for you and then kind of like a, your ideal day on, on a stream or trib in, in Northeast. What does that look like? Okay, great. Um, well, I work a very, very versatile shift at work. So um, depending on the day when I wake up, I can go... Um, out to the streams, especially during steelhead season, I'll go out real early, you know, before sunup and then go into work a little later. But as of late, the weather's been a little up and down. So like today I got out of work at two o'clock and went straight down because we got a lot of rain in the past couple of days. 
but we needed it because they were low and clear. So today it was what I would like to call some of the most ideal water. It's just a little cloudy, not so, uh, we get that bluish tint, that gin clear water. And it's, although it's great, it's really, really tough. It's really tough to trick a steelhead into taking your fly. So today it was perfect, just a little cloudy, and it was my favorite time to swing streamers. You don't get to do it a lot in our creeks because they're not wide enough generally. Um, but today was perfect. Like I said, it was, uh, I mean, I probably pulled a good four or five fish out in a matter of two hours. Um, that's one of my favorite kind of days when it's not, today it was like 35 degrees. So when it's not frigid and not too hot, um, steelhead season is pretty much my favorite. Those are the days that I remember the most because I don't really like going out in 90 degree weather and sweating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, today was, today was really, I would say it was one of the ideal days. We don't get, like I said, we don't get to swing streamers much. And when you can around here, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's always awesome. What kind of streamer patterns were you swinging today? Well, today I actually seem to have good luck with, uh, woolly buggers in the six to eight range. Okay. I had really good olive colors. Um, I put on, I put on a couple burgundy. Yeah. But that, those were my best today. Do you do a lot of your own, uh, make your own flies, Jacob, or you do a lot of tying? I wouldn't say I do a lot of tying. I should do a lot more. Um, I do a little bit. I can tie a lot of the simpler patterns. I don't spend as much time on it as I should, or as I keep telling myself I'd like to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I also have um, that pawn shop I was telling you about has a constant influx of flies. So even though it takes away from me, you know, sitting down and finally learning to tie better, it's very easy to access flies at this shop. Yeah, it's, I tell you, um, well, especially with cooler winters and, and, you know, you guys are more towards the north there for sure. So you probably have, I'm, I'm north of the border. So I find that those winter months, like uh, basically Christmas through February for sure, it's perfect time to sit at the vice. Yeah. Yeah, and I keep telling myself that every year, but I tell you what, we don't stop fishing here. You know, you know, it's very rare that our creeks are frozen, frozen to the point where you can't go out. And it's it's amazing, especially 16 mile creek. There's a water treatment plant that plant that the uh, it keeps the water above freezing. So mm. if all the other creeks are frozen, you still have an option. Right. Do you do you do any uh, smallmouth fishing or? Uh walleye fishing anything else in in your area all right so i'm a avid smallmouth fisherman hmm. but there's a very small reservoir that's about miles from my house and it's completely under the radar it's crazy that nobody you know nobody really utilizes it because the topwater bass fishing is insane in the summer you can go out and you know you can you can have a 20 fish day right and although they're not the biggest fish because it's a small reservoir, it's it's a ton of fun. Pretty hard to beat topwater action for, for for bass. Like like you you're fishing like poppers or or like deer hair patterns, something like that. Always, yeah, always poppers. And it's and it also in the same reservoir, there's small pike. Hmm. So every once in a while, you'll end up getting a pike on you know topwater. Yeah, where I'm at, there's there's some pretty good smallmouth fishing too. And uh, I tell you, pound for pound, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, tons of it. Yeah. 
especially on a lighter weight rod. I mean, you can really have, you can have a black. I want to get a little bit philosophical here for a second. If you could change something about fly fishing, uh, I kind of have an idea where you might go on this, but what would you like to see change in our sport? (laughs) I'm sure you do know where I'm going to go with it. I'd kind of like the, you know, the biggest thing with me is the, the stigma that only wealthy and only, uh, I guess that's pretty much it, that that you have to have a lot of money to do it because the truth is you don't, you know, even though nicer gear can sometimes help, it's never necessary. You know, anybody can get out and do it. It's just a matter of the exposure. Mm -hmm. It's really well said. So kind of taking the, uh, the limited vision of you need to have a lot to, to, to do this. you you really don't. It could be simple as a, as a, as a dry line and a, uh, a used reel from a pawn shop and an old fly rod. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Some of those days when I had that, that thrift, that thrift store fly rod and that reel, I remember those more than the days that I've got, you know, 28 inch steelhead down here with, you know, nice rods and nice reels there's it, there's something about the just the, the the roots of it starting out that it resonates in my mind more than you know nowadays well i often think about some of the the gear over the years that i've acquired and kind of what i use today sometimes i end up going back to the old tried and true i may have some lighter rods that are maybe nicer on the arm after casting all day long but at the end of the day mm-hmm. We're, we're splitting hairs here. You know what I mean? The, the technology has, yes, it's changed, but it hasn't really changed that much. Right. Yeah. So I do the same thing. And it's funny you mentioned that because today my streamer rod, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm allowed to name any brand here. Of course you can. Okay. So the funny thing is on my streamer rod, I actually acquired a uh, set of two scientific anglers system ones. Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, they're not, it's not an expensive reel. It's not a, you know, ridiculously collectible reel, but they're tried and true, you know, click and fall. And I've been taking them out on my streamer rods for steelhead for the past three, four months. And I don't know, you know, most people have heard a click and fall scream when it's going, but there's nothing like that sound. And all it is, is just, you know, it's holding my line for me, but it's great using, you know, something vintage like that. I was going to say, I, I used to work in a fly shop, oh shoot, I want to say 30 years ago, and I think that reel was around then. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was. And I, like I said, I got a, I got two of them, and they're both, both of them came with, uh, I, I got them at that pawn shop for 25 bucks, by the way, and both of them came with spare spools. <laughs> so all the time you spend on the water, Jacob, is there anything we haven't covered so far that you, you think we... I mean, I guess the program that you're putting together, I kind of like to get back to that a little bit because um, sure. you're basically teaching kids, teens, people that haven't fly fished on how to do it. And I just, I'm just going to read a quote from the uh, poster that you, you sent me that I, I really spoke to me. It says, experience the community's natural resources and the benefits of conservation through the fundamentals of fly fishing. Learn to fish free of charge, gear provided, and no catch. So... It sounds to me like you, you're t- starting from the ground up, get these these folks out on the water, and just show them the basics, what it's all about. Exactly, yep. So what's the next step for you in this? Uh, how do you get the word out, other than doing podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, I've reached out, like I said, I've reached out to a lot of um, community groups in this area. 
and until, um, you know, I decide to go a certain way, I won't name who, you know, what they are, but there's been three main groups that have reached out and said, you know, we'll back you on this. We'll help you with this. We'll market this. And like I said, I didn't want to jump the gun on anything. So I'm kind of carefully, I'm at the stage right now where I'm carefully thinking everything over to make sure that who I decide to partner with, you know, will accurately represent what I want to represent. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. You got to stay um, uh, genuine to, to the, the overall idea. Cause it's easy to wander, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, I noticed that I noticed my own mind wandering when I started to think too big. Mm-hmm. So that's why right now I'm at the stage where I'm stepping back, thinking about my options and carefully assessing what I need to do to accurately represent what I want to promote. And, and you, you touched base on, um, the the little tidbit of conservation that I put on there. And I wanted to make it clear that if I take children out, I'm going to show them maybe little things that I do, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be an activist in that sense. I'm not going to say do this, or you're not going to, you know, be a good fly fisherman. But when I'm out on the water, you know, if I see a line in a tree that I can reach, I'll take it down. If I see a cigarette butt on the ground, I'll try to pick it up and put it in my pocket or, you know, I carry a trash bag around with me. And so I'm hoping that without being in somebody's face, I can show what I do. And the only thing I can hope for is that they want to follow that path, but I'm not going to be telling them, you know, do it or else. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Uh, Lead by example. The thing I like about that too, is then you start paying attention to the little things. And I think as younger people, when we, when I'm, I'm not a younger person, but I can remember noticing these small things like these little, these little chronomids popping or little midges or little, little, um, case caddis floating in front of your feet. Things that you don't notice necessarily if you haven't been around a stream a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I mean, go ahead. I can, I can think of people when I grew up, you know, like I said, even being a conventional fisherman, cause my father always took me out fishing and stuff, but I can think about, seeing guys on the creek that just had such an impact the way they were, you know, more careful with the fish, the way that, you know, they were just, they were concerned with leaving line on the, uh, on the creek bed or, you know, it's simple things. I can, I can remember a guy dropping a split shot and picking it up and, you know, me thinking at the time, like, huh, I probably would have left that there. But these guys, that picture still runs through my head. And that's what I can hope, you know, that's all I can hope to be for somebody else is like you said, leading by an example is just showing that it's not that hard to just spend one second picking up, you know, trash or line or whatever somebody else left on the creek bed. If you carry a little garbage bag with you, it's not going to take up much space and you, you can do a lot more help than you realize. I think you'd be surprised how many fly fishers do exactly what you're talking. Cause I know I do the same thing. I'll get, get back from the lake and I'll have, I'll end up with like old Pepsi cans that I never took to the lake, you know, tins of whatever. Uh, it's amazing what you find, uh, let alone think, thinking about leader and whatnot that can get caught up in, in birds. So, I mean, I think it's great what you're doing. It, it's very motivating to me. And, um, I, I think it'd be really, once you get this program going, bigger i think you really we need to do another show in the future so you can tell the folks kind of what's going on and where you're at with it yeah absolutely i would love to hey when you're in uh in your uh community 
of uh, Northeast. Where do you go to talk fishing? You said you used to work at a coffee shop. I always like to ask, get a feel for that area. So <laughs> where, where do you go when you want to talk fishing with the gang? Ah, uh, that's funny. So I uh, can't explain to you how much time I spent talking about it when I worked at the coffee shop. I, I could not, I was that crazy guy that would not talk, would not stop talking about fishing, you know? So it's almost like it emanated from me when you came in the coffee shop. So, and as a matter of fact, Tom, who you've spoken with already, that's how I met him as well. And we just got to chatting, you know, he said he used to fish. He's, you know, he fished from oil Creek to all over this area and he hadn't been out for steelhead. So that's how I met Tom. I said, let's go out steelhead. Well, and you know, beyond that, there's, I can think of three, four, five more people just from the coffee shop that I fish with regularly now. That's funny. Cause I, yeah, it is very I, well, funny. I'm thinking what you're just saying. And same thing when I worked in this, this fishing hunting shop 30 years ago, the folks that I fish are people that I met then. It's kind of weird how that yeah. progresses. I never really thought about it, that. He just mentioned it. I know. And it's, and it's great too, because I actually got such, such varying ages from that too. And I think that helped me, you know, it, it helped me into a better fly fisherman. Absolutely. Because the age is very so extremely, you know, I have, I have friends that are just getting into it. I have friends that have been into it for 30 years. I have friends that I, I have one friend that's probably been into it for 50 years. And so I've learned so many different styles of fishing, you know, different, just gear tactics, everything. And that, and I can't even tell you how much of it came from that coffee shop. Hmm. So when did you come up with this idea of what you're going to do? Was it sitting around the coffee shop or just after a day on the water? Or how, did, how did that come to be? Well, I guess, like I said, I had been thinking about it or thinking about something along the lines after I taught um, that one child how to fish. Right. And that's what got it initially going. But that was, you know, that was a while ago. And, and I think I think what really facilitated the idea was that I had realized that I was probably spending money on useless things and not productive things. And after spending a lot of time on the water this winter, I realized I need to get other people out here because it wouldn't take much of my, the only, you know, the only aspect it would take of mine is my time. That's, that's really it. And when I think about spending my time, I thought about, you know, the times I did teach these few people and I thought about how, how much that affected my life and how, how much joy I got out of it. See, I always think of it as your time is actually probably the most valuable thing you can give anybody if you think about it. Right. You know what I mean? I don't disagree. With especially, that especially yeah. from a child's point of view or, or a young adults just getting into it, just spending that time. I think it's uh it's, it's important. Yeah. And it was kind of a no brainer at that point because, you know, I'm giving my time, but I'm also getting joy out of that. Yeah. You know, no, for sure. So I think that's, that it almost came, it almost seemed like, Hey, why didn't you think of this sooner? 
We've been chatting today with Jacob Smith from Northeast Pennsylvania, teaching uh, kids and teens how to fly fish. Wish you luck, Jacob, with the program. And if we can help you at all in the future, uh, please let me know. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.